gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Welcome to episode 332 of the Hall of Justice podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm excited for this episode. It's a return appearance of one Megan Fitzmartin. But there's a couple of new topics that we're going to be addressing with her. And I want to get the big elephant out of the room and acknowledge that we recorded this uh, right before the writer's strike. She is a proud member of the WGA. And if you've been following Megan on her social media, checking her Twitter real quick, she's at MegFitz89. She is on the picket lines. And while she has written some really interesting things that I wanted her to talk about, and that was the impetus to get her on, the ability to get writers is going to be harder and harder and harder. So I appreciate Megan's friendship, and I appreciate her willingness to do the podcast because she knew the strike was coming. We took references of the strike out because they were outdated. That's the only reason. Uh, we stand with the WGA, and I am a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and SAG-AFTRA fully supports the Writers Guild of America. And what's going to wind up happening is I'm going to wind up doing a proper episode on the writer's strike. Uh, just the idea that streaming is changing the business model and it's hurting writers. And the whole aspect of writers' business model is changing. You know, I, I've covered labor disputes in the past in sports. And a lot of times it's not as simple as pay me more even though that's what they're striking for, there's a whole philosophical change. And what it looks like from the outside is that the studios need to figure out their business. Um, a lot of times when I've covered labor stoppages, the union just has to sit on the side and the league has to figure out the situation. But I do want to acknowledge that I'm aware of it, I'm paying attention to it, and I do think that we should address it, but I want to address it... The <laughs> But the other wrinkle is, you know, just my luck is, uh, you know, I'll put somebody on that that's covering this this strike or I'll put somebody on from the union and it'll be outdated or it'll be settled like by the time we publish. So it's a very slippery slope and I, I definitely want to cover this properly. I also want to uh, advise everyone listening to uh, check out my social media uh, at Seth underscore Everett on Twitter, at Seth Everett underscore on Instagram. Um, I will be publishing uh, some links. Uh, the Hall of Justice podcast is going to be participating in a charity walk uh, representing the Christopher Reeve Foundation. Representing the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Uh, all the details are still being together at the time of this recording, 
but by the time this episode is ready to be published, uh, we should have everything out there, and I'll put it out on social media, and we'll talk more about it in next week's episode. The walk is June 3rd, so we have a little bit of time to get the word out. Let's talk about Megan Fitzmartin. She came on the podcast the first time to talk about an animated film uh, that was called Justice Society World War II. Uh, of these new movies, that's probably one of my favorites, and one of the co-writers of it is was Megan Fitzmartin. That's episode 233, and she's wonderful. We connected after that through social media, and I've gotten to see what she has been working on. She has a new animated film that's out uh, called Justice League and Ruby, Superheroes and Huntsmen Part 1. That's out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. However, it's her comic books that really, really attracted me to having her back on. She is the author of a new arc in the Batman comics uh, where Tim Drake, the third Robin, remember Dick Grayson was the first, Jason Todd was the second Robin, Tim Drake is the third Robin, and he comes out as bisexual. And for that, Megan has been nominated for a GLAAD Award. She was nominated for Outstanding Comic Book for writing Tim Drake, Robin. And what I want to ask Megan about, all about it. I want to understand, was it her idea? Was it DC's idea? What was the reaction? All of it. I'm very interested. So let's welcome Megan Fitzmartin back to the Hall of Justice podcast. Your star has risen so much. I didn't think we were ever going to get you back on this show again. <laughs> that is so kind of you. It's so nice to be back. It's crazy. And, and like you're you're now, you know, I was lucky because I think COVID was still a thing the first time you came on. Not that it it's was, not a thing anymore, yeah. but you were kind of home. You're a homebody. Now you're like yeah, you're gallivanting all over the nearly, world. I don't. I didn't travel nearly as much as I do now. Yes. Right. <laughs> then I felt. Let's let's get this out in the open. Uh, we missed each other by like thirty minutes at the New York Comic Con. Like I had already I gone in the subway, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm here." I'm like, "Oh God," and I'm like, I know, "She's never going to come on my show ever again." I. That's it. It's over. It's no! over. Ships passing in the night. You're a very busy man. I, you know, you blame me, but you also have many, many cool That's things true. going on. So That's true. yeah, we're, we're very busy. I social media <laughs> makes it seem like I work all the time. I mean, no, that's what that's what it's there for. <laughs> that's what it's there for. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Um, you have written uh, an arc for Tim Drake, who is Robin. Yes, and Tim correct. Drake, for the listeners, uh, he has been in animation. He's been in multiple different uh, incarnations in comics. Uh, but there's a, a recent arc uh, and, and that, that I'll let you describe and, and, and let you introduce. But what I'm interested in, uh, you, you came from television. You came from mm -hmm. television. You've written some DC films. We've talked about all that the first time you've, you've come on the podcast. Who approached who? Did you pitch this to DC? Did they pitch this to you? How did Tim Drake bisexual come into your work? <laughs> so I had been working with, I've been working with Warner Brothers uh, since 
essentially the start of my entertainment career. I worked up um, sort of through the mailroom, if the mailroom were where uh, all of the TV estimating money, like the budgets and things were. You worked Um, on Supernatural. And well, before even, oh, before, even before Supernatural, Supernatural, I worked I worked in the the budgeting department for Warner Brothers TV, and then I jumped over to Supernatural. So I've been at Warner Brothers for most of my my career. And uh, when I, I it wasn't I'm trying to think if it was 2020 or 2019, but I believe it was the beginning of 2020. They had put out um, DC had put out, hey, we're looking for new writers. Um, they had sent that to their department heads um, for animation and I had done Justice Society World War II with Jeremy by that point and that they approached us and we were both like yes that's a dream like we both grew up reading comics we both love comics so um and Jeremy Jeremy has gravitated towards the flash yes 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 um so we we were invited to this meeting uh where dan didio was explaining the uh future state universe this was before dan didio left um i thought it was didio oh maybe i mean he didn't it wasn't like he was like hi my name is it was like hello obviously you know i'm dan and i was like i don't okay hi nice to meet you wow um like you took 300 episodes where i think i might have been calling him the wrong name Okay. No, you're probably right. I I just called him Didio. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was very it was very interesting meeting. It was a very strange meeting. A meeting that I still talk to, uh, a, a, still talk about with Jeremy and uh, a, a friend of mine who was my editor for a while, Dave uh, Wilgas. Uh, for a while, we were like that was that was such an interesting meeting. But out <laughs> of it, I was able to. I met with. Um, a couple of the editors there, specifically Paul Kaminsky, who I love and who's now the head over the, the Superman group. And we, uh, he was like, well, at the time he was still working for the Gotham group. And he was like, would you be interested in writing Future State Tim Drake? We have this sort of idea. Is this something that you'd be open to? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. No, I, love, no, I love Tim Drake. You don't have to tell everything. But when you say we have this idea, was was his sexuality the idea or was there an idea about returning him to the role of Robin? So this was for future state specifically. So okay. it had nothing to do with it any nothing of it. to do with that. Sort of, okay. Yeah, no, nothing to do with that. It was just sort of like, here is, this is what, like, what would Tim be doing in this future state time? Um, so I did two issues of that, which was really fun. And out of that, I got a call from Dave who was like, I'm doing uh, this anthology series called um, Urban Legends, Batman Urban Legends. Would you like to write more Tim Drake? I was like, yes, always. And out of that, he was like, okay, well, like, let me know what you're thinking. This would be more of the like canon, what's happening right now with Tim. And I thought about it for a while. I reread all of my favorite Tim Drake stuff and the more that I was thinking about it the more I was like the story that needs to be told is Tim's sexuality like there is so much he's so coded intentionally or not intentionally throughout the years um what is interesting to me is to make this canon and so I brought that to my editor and I was like 
this is the story that I'm interested in telling. I need to know now if we can do this because I, 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 I don't want to go down the road and then have to like completely rewrite this because this is it. Like, this is the story I want to tell. Um, and uh, he's like, okay, I hear you. I think that's really good. You're not the first person that brought this to us, to be honest. And out of that, um, we were minute. able to- Someone else brought this idea to DC? Yes. All right. So I'm not the only one. Uh, it, it has been in the, the zeitgeist. And I've, I've read from other creators who also had written him in, a, in this sort of direction. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it felt like I was just carrying the baton. One of the things that Jeremy and I talked about, uh, Jeremy did an episode, episode 304. So that's 20 episodes ago. So 20 weeks yeah. ago, we did an episode called The Deal with Superman's Son. Yeah. Because that episode was, it was around the time that the Battle of Super Sons right. animated movie came out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he had the twin sons on Superman and Lois. Yep. And then, and his sexuality was a subject in the comics. Yeah. 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 And, the idea was it felt very stunty mm. and we, that's what we discussed in episode 304. And there was this suggestion in that a lot of people had this suggestion that what this was trying to do was to get the name Superman to trend on social media again. Mm. Did you see that happen with, with Jonathan Kent and did you see something similar with Tim Drake? I think the, I mean, I can't speak for anybody at DC. I don't know. I think from my observation, it is a surprise when people take notice. I know for when um, we had the issue of Tim Drake, where he asks a boy out on a date, came out, it got a lot more attention than any of us expected. Like it was, we, I mean, we, we knew that like comic book sites would, would say something like that is, that, that is, that is the, the area. That's what comic book, well, comic book sites, what, just, if he has yeah. different color shoelaces, he's going to say something. If his eyes are different in one issue, like right. that, that's yeah, exactly. So like, we were like, oh, okay, well like that's probably going to be the, the places that, that get written about. But like, it was, it was a surprise to us that it was as big a news as, as it was. And I think, you know, I don't think it's, I, I, I get why people come in and they're like, oh, well, this is just, you know, woke content. This is just somebody saying, uh, let's change things for change sake. But I think that's what story is. Like, I, I always take issue with that kind of rhetoric, if only because what else is story? Story isn't, story shouldn't be stagnant. Story should be moving. Story should be living and breathing. And like, I, I brought this idea to DC. I brought it with like a PowerPoint of here is why I think this. Like I didn't come up and I was just like, you know, it'd be a cool idea. This, I have no, no idea. Like no, no real backstory to it. Like I brought, I brought paper out of your back pocket. And, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe like I just did like a mad word thing, like put, put words together. Like I, I went and did research and brought these particular different panels and things. And I was like, this is why I think this decision can and should be made. Um, and I, 
believe that that too similarly be true. Uh, I can't, once again, I can't speak for Tom Taylor or, or that team, but like from my experience with DC, it is similarly true that like you bring, you bring an idea and you bring the like, here are my reasons why for it. And that is, that is how you get something. It can't be like story is organic and story moves. It should move. And like, sometimes people make moves for change sake, but like those don't, I don't think that those are changes that stick because they aren't rooted in anything. Story is organic. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, how do I keep my spirits up? Well, things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and asked them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired, they'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995... The accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we, our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury, where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment, uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate 
their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org, and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org. Get the newsletter and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show, and he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. I saw the news actually before I knew you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, it, it, it reached, you know, my, my purview, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. To me, it's more of a, a thing about comics. Sure. Um, you know, I, I have this argument, you know, in the 300 episodes of this podcast, I say this yeah. all the time. Yeah. I watch uh, Mandalorian and or Superman and Lois, the flash, Every Marvel thing, every DC thing, I've watched Stargirl three times. I watched D Titans and Doom Patrol, but I yeah. haven't picked up a comic book in six years. Am yeah. I a comic book fan? Mm. And I asked that to uh, you know guests. I asked that to friends. Sure. I asked that to to a lot of people. But you know, and and you've seen my my office here. I I have dozens of comic yeah. books. You know, yeah, and I've read tons of comic books including a lot of robin comic books yeah. which were tim drake yeah you know i was the guy who when the flash tv show came out i was like why aren't you making him wally west yeah like i, I didn't understand that like yeah. that that's that's where my line of thinking is and so when my my whole thing is is tim drake's sexuality is not going to make me read that no. comic book the story is 
Yes. Maybe if it's a person I like writing the story, that's sure. even that's even better. You know that that's that's a a, a win even further. Yeah. The argument is I, I'm it just I'm so curious to know what does DC and Marvel for that matter. This is not I'm not picking on DC here. What are they trying to get out of these comic books? What are are they just trying to keep the the IP? Are they just trying to keep this so they can keep churning out billion dollar franchise movies, or are they trying to do something here so that when Tim Drake shows up in some incarnation of a Batman movie somewhere down the road, he might be bisexual? I think that more so, the interest is looking at like okay, look, everyone says print is dead. That is the thing that constantly is being said over and over again. Whether or not that is true, I can't speak to it. But people are constantly saying print is dead. You're looking at these big companies who they are print. And what do you do with that? What do you do when people are saying print is dead? From my experience at DC, you keep telling stories and you tell stories the best way that you can. And you tell stories that are, did the same thing that they did like 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that they've been constantly doing, which is provide space for change, provide space for really interesting story, but in those interesting stories, having something to say. I think I would argue that a lot of the times, a lot of people aren't reading comics because they're not saying anything right now. And if they're not saying anything, then why am I reading this? I've read this before. I have read comics for, for since like I was a kid. I've, I know what this is gonna do. I know that, how this is gonna be. Why aren't you doing something interesting or different? And that's what comics used to do. That's what sci-fi used to do. And like, I think there's such a fear right now in not, because of social media, because people are gonna come on social media and be mad and angry. Like you can't get, you can't. Like I, I've been a person who's been mad and angry on the internet before. And like, that goes away and I'll, I'll feel about something, something else, like about something else later. I worked on Supernatural for goodness sake. Like people are only mad until you have the next episode come out and then they'll be mad at that or they'll love that. And like, I'm not, I don't want to sacrifice story and movement in reflecting the world as it is right now and having really interesting conversations just because somebody is mad at me on the internet um and from what i've seen dc feels the same way are a lot of people mad at you on the internet i mean not a lot i mean it's the same as like when i worked at supernatural this was the thing people were like <laughs> when i started working at dc a lot of the editors were like the like the fandom's really big like they're really strong and i was like i've done this already <laughs> like i hold my, my beer <laughs> yeah, yeah like it it still sucks it still hurts but also it's like fine people are entitled to their opinion i'm not gonna like block somebody because of it i'm i'm constant with the mute button i love the mute button but like people should feel what they want to feel that makes people like that's what makes stuff like this so precious is passion like that's what it is. It's passion for these things. And we want these stories to be told because we love them so much. And I, who am I to, to be mad about that? My, uh, my favorite Tim Drake story is uh, when uh, the Joker uh, captures him in Batman Beyond Return of the mm. Joker. <laughs> oh no, it hurts oh. so much. <laughs> oh my God. That flashback scene is un 
effing real. I like truly, truly, I would say uh, the Batman the Animated Series, but it was Batman Beyond that like, it had no chill. That show was when, like, when we're he, going, when, we're going to be as hard as possible. When Bruce sees him. I'll break you in two. Oh my it's God. Great. I get it's chills great. just thinking of it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's, that's bananas. Um, this is going to come off really naive, but why are both Jonathan Kent and Tim Drake bi and not just gay? Um, once again, I can't speak for the Superman group. That's a completely different group. Whatever and... they do, they do. Yeah, well, I'm not privy to those conversations either. Like, I wasn't in those, and I got it. No idea where that thought process comes from. Like, I'm sure that they have it. I just don't. I don't have that PowerPoint. I only have my PowerPoint. Fair enough. Um, and part of that focus on sexuality, once again, it comes from a place of story. Like, the story has never been that he's only been to me. My interpretation of the story, from my understanding and from the understanding of the team that I worked with. Um, it has always been, he has been interested in women. He was with Cassandra, right? Stephanie. Stephanie. Stephanie right. Brown, uh, who I love and adore. And I think she's so fun, such a cool character. Um, and uh, I mean, that is real. I want, and I want brownie points just for remembering that. Fully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he like, he's had that relationship and I I fully believe that that is a true relationship but also part of the part of my um my powerpoint was like there there is a relationship that he has with Connor Kent that like it feels deeper than his friendship with say Bart or or any of his other male friends like that he has some sort of interest within Bart that. Bart is, for the sp- listeners, Bart Allen impulse? Yes, impulse. Um, and, you know, he's had these friendships. I, I bring up Bernard Dowd, who um, is is from uh, the 90s. And, like, there is, there is those types of relationships that I was like, there is no heterosexual explanation for this. Mm. Um and so based off of that, I was like, oh, okay, well, he, that, is, that is not a man who is just gay or just straight. Interesting. No, that is a man who is, who is questioning and a man who is uh, interested in both. It's a fair and fine question to ask, and it's complicated and, you know, yeah. fr- like frustrating because sometimes you don't feel like you can, and I'm going to get answers wrong, and and I'm going to get questions wrong, but like, that's what's so great about comics is that you can ask and, and feel those questions. Of course, you're all going to pick this up. Um, you can read this in the old print format, but it's also on the DC app. Yes. You can get that, get it that way. Um, does Bruce approve or does Bruce not know? Bruce approves. There's a, um, we have a story in, Bat- well, that's complicated uh, Bat- too because you're gonna piss off a lot of people if he doesn't. Well, yeah, as, as I should. I mean, like, look, once again, 
from an organic standpoint, an, a storytelling organic standpoint, Bruce Wayne is the most empathetic character. He is the one that cares so much, and especially for his kids. Like for like to your point, the the comment you made about like I'm going to break you that he said. Oh. Like it, he cares about these kids in a way that is pure fatherhood. And like there is, would it be um, a more complex story? Yes. I don't think though that I could. I didn't find a way where organically Bruce would not approve. Um, he loves his kid and is supportive. So, you know, I, we, have, we have that story in Batman Urban Legends 10 um, where we don't show uh, Tim coming out to Bruce specifically because I think that that's very personal and I think it's personal and unique for each person. And I think that like, I know people disagree with me but I really wanted that to be a thing that is held um, and, and can be for other people who have had to come out to their parents and like that's a special moment that's a unique thing that I didn't want to like have to necessarily put out on paper of like this is exactly how it went um but we but he does tell Bruce and Bruce is incredibly loving and um supports him and yeah so you There's can find great... that on uh, Batman Urban Legends 10. <laughs> there you go. There's a great uh, TV show on uh, the, uh, I guess now it's going to be uh, Max, which, by sure. the way, give me 10 minutes and a shot of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, I'll come up with a better name for an app. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, have you seen the Mindy Kaling show, The Sex Lives of College Girls? No, I've not. I've There's heard a, good things One of the characters uh, comes out to her very uh conservative father wow. in a dinner scene that is priceless wow price and I, i'm just I'm, I'm just imagining like you're saying it's maybe not the thing that you want to show because it's it's a hard watch this one is hysterical yeah just that's hyster- great just hysterical. <laughs> like, i just uh, as you're saying this i just i just saw that it's very, yeah it's very yeah. funny very very comedy and the, the title's a little funky it's not like porn it's it's very funny yeah yeah, absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, okay. Uh, you also continue to write animation. I do. Yes. And so I'm. Um, you have a new animated movie that's out just now. Yes. Uh, unless you're listening to this in the future, uh, and in that case, uh, do me a favor, send Megan a message and uh, ask her how the flying car is. Um, <laughs> More of the Hall of Justice in just a moment. You know I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. Not like marbles in your mouth like it sounds when I'm doing my podcast. Marble's AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done over 300 episodes of the Hall of Justice, and we feature great guests like Kevin Smith, Zack Snyder, Ben Affleck, Samuel Jackson, more recently Jeff Johns, voice actors like Diedrich Bader, Phil Lamar, The late, great Kevin Conroy has been on the podcast five times. Extraordinary writers as well. Plus the reviews, movie reviews. 
for all the latest Marvel, DC, Star Wars reviews with our man, J.C. Reifenberg. We even have a Transformers insider, my man, Anthony Brucalli. Did you know we once did an episode about rape culture and Jessica Jones? Did you know that the Transformers have a huge LGBTQ plus following? We've done episodes on those. And you can use Marble to search for that content. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of the Hall of Justice on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show, and it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app, simply create and share one marble from something said on this show that you enjoyed not something you hated when you subscribe to my show on marble you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out marble is a free app for both ios and android users so head to marble.com that's m-a-r-b-y-l.com or search marble in the app or google play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts Justice League and Ruby, Superheroes and Huntsmen, Part 1. All right. Uh, that uh, Supposedly, that is an anime TV show. It is. So it's one of the few anime uh, animes that are produced in America. It's produced out of Austin, Texas by um, Rooster Teeth, which is now okay. owned by Warner Brothers. Um, yeah. So it, it was... It was a gas and a half. I really enjoyed it. We, I had something watched... pitched to you, not, or you, same thing. Did no. they know that you knew of this show? Well, I hadn't. I, so they knew that I love um, content for teen girls. I'm uh, right. this, those on the podcast can't see, but I have a whole bookshelf behind me that's just YA. Okay. Um, you can make a whole TikTok more. out of that segment if you'd like. I know, I know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I love YA. I love, look at, look at my bookshelf. Honestly, I would love nothing more. I'm very proud of my bookshelf. Okay, we can um, do <laughs> But I, I didn't know Ruby. I knew of Ruby, but I never watched it, mostly because I knew that I would become obsessed with it. And I was like, I don't. I don't know if I have the time yet to become obsessed with this. I know that it's like on the horizon for me, but like I, I, I'm not there yet. And then my producer, Jim Krieg, who is amazing and wonderful. Oh, the great was like, Jim Krieg. You, the He's great the Jim Krieg, um, who I, I have loaned books uh, to his daughter. And he was like, wait a minute. These books are very similar to Ruby. Do you know Ruby? Um, Episode so 253 I, of the podcast for those of you listening. Amazing. Um, and so he asked me if I knew Ruby. This was in December of 2020. And I said, no, but give me two weeks and I will know everything. <laughs> uh, and I, it, 
I watched all of Ruby in two weeks. It was a very emotional time because the show was very good. Like the show is, it really finds itself specifically in, in season three. It's just, it's really impressive. Um, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, I'm sold. I know exactly. I know exactly what this show is. I love these guys. And uh, I know exactly what the movie should be, which is, um, a, a reiteration of one of my favorite Justice League Unlimited episodes, Kid Stuff. Um, oh, sure. It, yeah, so in that episode, the, the Justice League are aged down to eight-year-olds. I only aged them down to like 16-year-olds, but even still. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's really fun, and we get to explore emotions and dynamics, which are my two favorite things. Um, we have a storyline that is about uh, that that's Jessica Cruz, who I love, and she's dealing with anxiety. And um, it's it, our Jeannie uh, Tirado is uh, the Jessica voice. Jessica Cruz of... was uh, showcased in Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Yes, yes, that's right. Jeannie uh, Tirado does the voice for Jessica Cruz in this, and she does such an amazing job. It's a it's a really phenomenal talent of just uh, it's so special. It's such a it's such a fun story. So I'm. I'm very proud She's of it. She's an interesting story because, you know, Green Lantern is all about willpower. Yeah. And if she struggles with that, that's, that's, I, it's it, one it, of the it compromises reasons. her power. It's just, exactly. It's, it's one of my favorite versions of Justice League, um, or Justice League of Green Lantern, yep. uh, is Jessica Cruz, mostly because I don't, I don't love like, when it's just no i'm already all about willpower i find that struggle to be much more interesting and much more relatable i struggle with willpower all the time i don't want to see somebody who's like no i got it this is easy um does the viewer um the viewer doesn't have to have seen the show but uh would it help um, that's, so, that's like that's like saying you know it's you can watch mandalorian without having watched clone wars but it would help sure. if you watch Clone Wars. I mean, I do think, I think Mandalorian is probably a good example. Like we, I, going into it, we all knew that like, it is a high likelihood that people are coming into this having not seen Ruby. Um, and I, because I had come into it without really knowing Ruby beforehand, it was helpful to be able to be like, oh, okay. So these are the pieces that I would want to give somebody um, to just, understand the emotional impacts for these certain things and then we can move on because once again we have all seen superhero stories we know how these go um the fun is in the journey uh and so i we definitely tried to make this a a a story for people who haven't necessarily seen all of ruby to be able to follow it and understand who who the girls are and what the world of remnant is that they that they exist in and they fall into in the first movie um but uh yeah but also you know if you want to pick up and watch ruby i f highly recommend it i had a, a friend after who we we premiered it at wondercon and a friend of mine came to see it with me and she was like oh that's what ruby is this sounds fun i want to watch this and i was like yeah absolutely you should it's a really fun show i kind of feel obligated to at least see the show first sure sure i i just i won't feel right like this is this is my sickness like i'm a completist yeah like like i this is why i haven't seen a james bond movie because yeah. if i if i don't I see that. all of them i won't 
I can't see one of them. I, I understand it, this. I mean, I think probably the worst the worst space to be a completionist is in comics because this is like right, I remember can't read every comic. I certainly have tried. Fantastic Four was the one that I was like, I'm going to try and read all of these. <laughs> and if there was ever like a global close. pandemic, I would do something like that. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I said about cleaning my basement, too. And then it, and then it showed up and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. My, my basement still looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> we survived that. But wait a second. But wait a minute. I had plans. Um, given the fact that i don't know if you're the right person to ask this question to um and i hate when people ask uh, writers questions that don't really apply to them but why right. is it in two parts why didn't you just make one long part it's not like it's in the movie theater where people are stuck having to go to the bathroom you can pause it whenever you want why is it in two parts you'll have to watch part two to find out oh there's a reason where I, or is it going a, to give me an excuse to have you back? Why can't it be both? I, <laughs> I, I do think like, look, I, as I was writing part one, even then we, we knew that there would probably be a part two. So hmm. it was written in this is like, this is like a Richard Donner thing. Like you, you didn't know. I didn't know. I, I mean, well, Richard Donner was ready to film one long movie, and then they found out, hey, lop off the second half oh. and make one. I didn't know that. Uh, no, I mean, no, we we knew that there was probably going to be a part two. So I wrote with that in mind, going, oh, okay. So this is, in that case, this will be how I do this part. Part one. That's cool. I, like I said, I, I, I feel like I'm going to search out this Ruby show. Yeah. I'm going to have to get to figure out what that is. Yes. And then if I can, if I can stomach that, then I'm going to see this. I believe uh, in you. I, I think I, have, I think I have faith. Um, we kind of talked about social media already and your social media is uh, blowing up because you're traveling all over the planet. Um, <laughs> um, what's next for you? What, what can you tell us? I, Oh, this is my new thing. This is my new thing with people, especially writers. Um, you love saying that you're writing something that you can't tell me. Uh-huh. You, 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 you'll say that you don't love that, but you secretly say, oh, I love that I can't tell yeah, you. Yeah, of course I can. Uh, of course people love doing that. Do you know why? Because it means it's a question we already know the answer to so that we That's can right. like, be like, done. We did it. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this Tim Drake story is in infinite frontier it's in tim drake robin and urban legends number six batman urban legends number six so it's the i started writing robin uh in uh future state robin eternal is the name of those two and then there are six or there's three issues um batman urban legends four five and six that has the the beginning of essentially my Tim Drake story. Batman Urban Legends 10 has him and Bruce together. And then, uh, yeah, Tim Drake Robin. Uh, we have, we started in September. We've already got, we've got an arc 
one arc out. We've got six six issues out of that, and then a, a one off with it's Bernard's point of view that I'm very proud of. Uh, and then we just started um, our last arc, uh, which is eight, nine, and ten coming out. So, well, congratulations on all your success. I'm so proud Thank of you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. I am thrilled uh, for the reaction, and I'm thrilled for your continued success. Uh, you, you, you write and you write heartfelt stuff, and you back your shit up, and that's that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, that means the world to me. I appreciate that. No, it's 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 a great quality. Uh, continued success, and uh, yeah, just come back onto the podcast. Just whatever Always. it is, just don't get too big for us. That's I would never. I would never. We just have to figure out our schedules. We need to sync up our schedules better. <laughs> that's, that's that's what we'll have to do. Yes. All right, <laughs> Megan Fitzmartin here on the Hall of Justice podcast. Give out your social media. I'm at Meg Fitz. M-E-G-F-I-T-Z-8-9, literally everywhere, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever will be overtaking Twitter. Uh, that is, that's me on all fronts. As long as Twitter exists. As long as Twitter exists and whatever is next, I will be MegFitz89. And I also have a Substack actually, um, wow. which is called The Writer's Labyrinth, where I talk about uh, I have the privilege of writing in various different mediums, and I talk about like how one impacts the other. So we just had our animation one out. I've written one for comics, and uh, yeah, check that one out. Megan Fitzmartin here on the Hall of Justice podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody at Warner Brothers, especially a big shout out to Garen Mariano who connected me with Megan. As we said in the open, she is currently picket lines with the WGA in this strike and we are offering her our full support as well as all the writers. We want it over very, very soon. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Believe it or not, I'm walking on.